Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, Kevin, and I do our Hey, Mary Kay edition of the pod, and I've got questions for Mary Kay. So I'm the one that asked all the questions here today. Uh, we talk about the conference championship games, uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals kind of accomplishing everything the Browns and Baker Mayfield hoped to accomplish this year. So what kind of conversations are going on uh, at the Browns facility? How close are the Browns to the Bengals? All of that. How should Browns fans feel seeing Odell Beckham Jr. in the Super Bowl? And we get into some of the quarterback dominoes that haven't started falling yet, but some of the stories kind of adjacent to those quarterbacks that that might play a role into who the Browns can actually get this offseason if they decide to go in a different direction at quarterback. Uh, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, become one. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. I tell you everything you get, every single podcast, so you know it's worth it. Go do it. Cleveland.com slash Browns. Click that banner, get all the info, and get signed up. All right, here we go. Our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. And Mary Kay, I'm taking the questions today. We didn't ask for questions. I'm just going to throw them out at you because I think I know what everyone wants to talk about. Here's, I guess, what I'm wondering today. What do you think the conversations are like at the Browns facility this morning? What do you think it was like when everybody's showing up for work and Joe Burrow and the Bengals kind of just did everything the Browns wanted to do this year? What do you think it's like around there today? Well, I think when you take into consideration yesterday and then all of the divisional games, I think they are really recognizing uh, that they have to really get in line with these other explosive offenses if they want to be able to compete in their own division and in the AFC at large. It's pretty obvious uh, that the, the passing offenses have passed them by and they, they really need to get up to speed with this. And I, I think that uh, I think that the conversations are intense and serious. I think they probably have been for a while, and I think they will continue to be that. And uh, as we're taping this, I'm going to be heading down to the Senior Bowl this week. I think that as they go through their evaluations at the Senior Bowl and over the next few weeks, and as they look into free agency, they will be looking at ways to make their offense more explosive and also ways to stop the Joe Burrows, even though I think they're in pretty good shape. Uh, defensively right now, I think they have to keep the uh, the, the pedal to the metal and uh, and not let up in that regard. I, I mean, how do you think, I, I, I guess, how, how do you think the people and the, the decision makers in that building feel 
seeing, I mean, like I said, this was supposed to be the Browns. The Browns were supposed to be, the Browns and Baker Mayfield were supposed to be the team and the quarterback heading to LA, or at least playing in that game yesterday. And instead it was Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And I, and I guess that just has to sting even more than like if the Chiefs had just gone there or if the Bills had just gone. It just, there has to be a little more to it because it is Joe Burrow and the Bengals and it's happened so quickly for them. Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, they're probably looking at Joe Burrow and wishing that they had better quarterback play this year. And I think that they are hoping against hope that they do get better quarterback play out of Baker Mayfield. But I think that they have to, and I've been saying this all along, they have to leave no stone unturned. They have to look around and see if they can get better quarterback play either elsewhere or from their own quarterback. I think that's probably the reigning feeling that they have right now. And when you look at the Bengals, though, I would have to say, I think on some level, they probably feel like they match up pretty well against the Bengals. Now, that could be a dangerous line of thinking, uh, because I do think that when you look to the 41-16 victory by the Browns in Cincinnati, first of all, they were running high on emotion. That was Odell's gone. We're going to try to pull together. We're going to try to win a football game. I think Baker Mayfield was running on emotion that weekend. Um, but also, you know, I, I just think that that 99 yard pick six of, of Denzel Wards, I think it really took the Bengals out of their game. And I don't know that they ever recovered from that. I don't think they did. Uh, had they gone down and scored there instead of that pick six, could have been a completely different ball game. And the Browns also did uh, something pretty incredible that day. And that is they shut down Jamar Chase. They made it their focus. Their point of emphasis was to shut down Jamar Chase and they did it. But I think that the Bengals learned a lot from that game. I think they figured out in that game that once that ever happened again, uh, that they were going to have to find a way to beat it and that a team was not going to uh, take away their top guy again. And that amazing connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and that they were going to going to have nothing else after that. So I think they figured some things out in that game. Yeah. I don't really buy this narrative. You know, everybody said, you know, first of all, nobody should be saying the Browns beat the Bengals twice because that last one doesn't count. But I also don't buy the narrative that because the Browns beat the Bengals and what was that week? I, I got it up here. Week. Um, here we go. Week nine. Mm-hmm. I don't buy the narrative that that means the Browns are like better than the Bengals or, you know, I don't know how close the Browns are to the Bengals. Honestly, I think, you know, if we went through position by position, there'd be certainly be some areas where the Browns were better and there'd be areas where the Bengals were better. I think they're not that far off, but for whatever reason, the Bengals, the Bengals got the job done and the Browns a couple of years in a row now have it. Absolutely. And, and I think it's because of their amazing quarterback. I mean, look at Joe cool. I, I mean, he is so good at his job. And I think that, I, I do think that uh, that that game, that loss to the Cleveland Browns was somewhat of a turning point for him and for them. Uh, and I think it might have been the best thing that happened to them on their road to the Super Bowl. Because like I said, they had to dig deep and figure out, oh crap, what do we do if they take away Jamar Chase like that again? And it really didn't happen much the rest of the season for the most part. Uh, they got him untracked when they didn't. They learned to use their other receivers, uh, I think Joe Burrow learned that, that he occasionally had to be a little bit more mobile at times and try some things. And look, they overcame, they overcame a sort of a porous offensive line too. 
I mean, he was sacked nine times the week before. And they still found a way to overcome that. They overcame adversity. And so I think that the Browns are looking at this and, and I think they have to be thinking, if we don't get better quarterback play, we're doomed. They have to be looking at it like that. So, I mean, there's just no way. I think that they have to look ahead in the AFC North and they have to know they've got to be able to beat Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and company. They're going to have to beat Lamar Jackson, which they have not done with any consistency over the years. And he's going to come back healthy and he's going to come back with a much better supporting cast and a much better defense next year. And, and then they have the unknown factor of who is going to be playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Will they try to hit a home run and go after uh, a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson or an Aaron Rodgers? And all of a sudden the Browns have to contend with that. I think the Browns know right now at this moment that quarterback is, is issue number one and receiver, especially a fast, speedy receiver is issue number two. Okay. So the question at quarterback then becomes, you know, I, I guess what if the Browns can't get that guy? What if the Browns can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you about Derek Carr a little bit later, but like if, if he's not available, if, you know, I don't, I guess Jimmy Garoppolo is an upgrade, but you, you still need a lot around Jimmy Garoppolo to be successful. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins obviously, obviously is in play, but there's a lot of teams out there looking for quarterbacks. So what's the Browns solution, I guess, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to come here, Russell Wilson doesn't want to come here. And then in that next year of quarterbacks, you can't get those guys for whatever reason. And you do kind of have to run it back with Baker. Is the solution just load up on offense, get it, get as many weapons as you can. You know, the Bengals have that combination of great weapons plus great quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I think in a perfect world, they probably would upgrade, but, but the reason why they said we fully expect Baker Mayfield to be our quarterback in 2022, I do think that they look out there at that quarterback, that veteran quarterback landscape and the rookie quarterback landscape. And I think that they realize they might have to run it back. And even though it might not be perfect, that might be uh, what they have to do for 2022. And uh, so therefore, yes, I think that uh, they will continue to give him a better supporting cast and add some dangerous weapons. I mean, they have to, I mean, did look at the, some of the plays that were made by these receivers by, I mean, Cooper cup, obviously Cooper cup is arguably, arguably the best receiver in the NFL or one of them, but even Odell Beckham jr. Some of the plays that he made were phenomenal. Uh, Jamar chase. I mean, all of these guys, Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs. it was, it was an incredible display of quarterback receiver battery and the Browns don't have that at all right now they just don't have those dangerous weapons so if you are bringing Baker back and he is going to be your guy you've got to give him at least two really good new dangerous explosive weapons and hope for the best okay so we'll ask this here on January 31st and looked like the Bengals just showed up this showed us this league changes so so quickly I mean nobody thought the Bengals were going to go to the Super Bowl I mean, nobody thought the Bengals were going to win the North. How close are the Browns and the Bengals right now? It's weird. It's really weird to ask that question because usually the Bengals aren't the standard. But how close realistically are the Browns to the team that won the AFC North this year and kind of did the things they wanted to do? 
I mean, I actually think they are pretty close. I don't think they're as far away as it seems right now, because how can you be when you have a defense like the Browns have and you have a running game like the Browns have and you have an offensive line like the Browns have, but so often it comes down to the quarterback and they are better at quarterback. The Bengals have the edge at quarterback where it really matters the most. And here's one thing uh, that I think has happened in the NFL, a trend that I'm witnessing right now. I think that teams have decided over like just the last year, really, that they need to have good defenses, that they have to have pass rushers that are going to get there and disrupt these amazing quarterbacks. And they have to have really good guys in the back end. And it's basically, you know, the blueprint that the Browns have used where they've really been working on their secondary and their edge rushers. And I think other teams have done that too. And that's what you saw in these playoffs. You saw a really good defense. I, for one, love good defense. I'm really happy that teams, you know, like the Chiefs and the Bengals and, and really pretty much everybody else, the Bills, um, they've really worked on their defense. I mean, San Francisco, the San Francisco defense, I mean, that, that is a formidable defensive front. And when you have the Aaron Donalds and you have the Nick Bosa's and you have the Miles Garrett's and you have the Trey Hendrickson's, uh, you are going to mess up that passing game. And what that means, in my opinion now, is that it really helps to have a mobile quarterback. It really helps to have a guy that can escape that kind of trouble. That is what we saw Josh Allen do with a tremendous amount of success. Uh, and that is, and that is what we saw Joe Burrow do yesterday. And he had to, I mean, he had to, or he was going to get killed. So he had to use his legs. Now Baker has been able to do that to a certain degree, but he's not as mobile as those guys. And he's certainly, you know, he's not as mobile as Pat Mahomes. I mean, you have to do other things now, like the Lamar Jackson's Josh Allen's Patrick Mahomes to be able to beat uh, the new and better improved defenses that are coming up against you in the NFL because they knew they had to. So I think that the Browns are probably having to look at it from that standpoint and other teams are too. It's probably why Kyle Shanahan went out and drafted a Trey Lance. Um, so I think that that's what the Browns have to be looking at. They have to look at what do you do now when you go up against these amazing defenses that are in the NFL now? Well, here's the other thing, too, is with a guy like Burrow and Josh Allen and these other guys. And I know I know Browns fans hate this and, you know, the Baker guys hate this, but it's different when you're six feet tall. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like Joe Burrow. I mean, I was even watching some Joe Burrow plays, not even from that game specifically today, but I saw some stuff on Twitter of him escaping pressure, making plays and just his ability to to when he escapes pressure, stay in the pocket mm -hmm. and deliver the football because he can see everything. I mean, that's just something, you know, we see with Kyler Murray, Baker, you know, shorter quarterbacks, it's harder when they're getting pressured because they can't just maneuver the pocket and be able to see over everyone and get the ball out. They've still got to have those throwing lanes and those angles. And, and so I, and, you know, you can work around it. Drew Brees had a great career, obviously, as a mm -hmm. six foot quarterback, but it's harder. And that's something that the Brown, if they're going to go move forward with Baker, they need to figure out how to make that part of the game work. Absolutely 100%. That is just such a tremendous point because Drew Brees was such an outlier. When you talk about the quarterbacks that are under 
uh, six foot one or maybe just right around six foot tall, uh, usually they have some extraordinary ability in some other way, right? I mean, Russell Wilson is who he is because he's, he's mobile. Kyler Murray is so mobile. Drew Brees is one of the only ones that wasn't a dual threat quarterback that was that size. Uh, you know, I mean, Brett Favre wasn't huge, but I mean, he, he was extraordinary in other ways. Now, Drew Brees was a great processor and he had tremendous vision and he was amazing at reading defenses and he was tremendously accurate. Uh, so if Baker Mayfield is going to get to that level and play up to that standard, then he is going to have to get extraordinary at certain things or a couple of different things in the offseason. His accuracy has got to be there. His processing speed has to be there. Now, it is a lot easier to process when you look out there and you have two or three guys. And let's not even say open because they're not going to be open. You know, we didn't see guys catching the ball that were wide open over the past couple of weeks. We saw quarterbacks delivering the ball on the money into really tight and good coverage in plenty of cases. And that's what you have to be able to do. You have to get the ball out quick enough uh, so that the defender can't be the one to make the better play so that your receiver can win the contested football. Um, so these are things that Baker is going to have to work on in the off season while he can't throw, he has got to be working on his processing speed. He's got to be studying film voraciously and like crazy. He's got to have, every single bit of film that he can get his hands on, not just the defenses that played against him, but the really good defenses that played against Josh Allen and against Patrick Mahomes and against Joe Burrow this season and see what those guys did to be successful against, uh, against the rush and against all the other things that defenses are trying to do. Because I think we did see that defenses to a certain extent were able to try to keep him, him in the pocket more and not let him go rolling out like crazy and do whatever he wanted to do. And the Pittsburgh Steelers exposed a weakness in him by keeping him in there and then also reading his eyes and figuring out exactly where he was going with the ball and getting their hands up and knocking the ball down. I mean, five batted passes in that game. Uh, that, you know, that's something that, that the Browns are gonna have to worry about next year and to make sure that doesn't happen again. It will help if they have better tackle play. If Jack Conklin's back, if Jed Wills is back to himself, that'll help. And then two or three other weapons. And I think that's what they have to count on because, Dan, when I look out there into the quarterback landscape, I'm not so sure that they're going to be able to find someone. Okay, so so let's go down this road. And I do want to get to Adele a little bit later here. But I, since you brought up the quarterback landscape, let's talk about some of the news that might affect the Browns as they seek a new quarterback. And I think the, the big domino so far is Josh McDaniels going to the Raiders and they're kind of building new England West over there in, in Las Vegas, um, bringing the GM, bringing a GM from the Patriots as well. And so now that of course begs the question, what does Josh McDaniels think of Derek Carr? I've got to imagine, and, and I'm just guessing here, I've got to imagine that Josh McDaniels, if he's taking that job, this is really probably his last chance because he already failed in Denver. We all know what happened in Indianapolis where he backed out of that deal. This is probably it for him. So if he's going to move on from Derek Carr, it's going to take a lot, I would imagine, because you've got to have some stability at that position. Does this, in your mind, raise or lower the likelihood that Derek Carr could be available? I think it lowers it. 
I think it lowers it. I think that uh, that those two guys took those jobs, the GM job and the head coaching job, with the knowledge that they could try to win with a really good quarterback in Derek Carr. And I think um, I don't think it completely takes him off the market. I think things are still everything is still on the table right now. Uh, but I think it lessens the chance that he's going to get traded. And um, I think they'd be crazy to let him go. I mean, you know, it's not easy to find a quarterback like Derek Carr. And the only reason why you would even think about doing it is because you would be that you maybe you like somebody else in the draft and you're going to get a first round pick for him and you're going to draft somebody. But for the most part, I think Josh McDaniels took that job knowing that he already had a good quarterback in place. When I think about Brian Dable taking over the Giants job, I mean, you know, Brian might find out very quickly that if the quarterback isn't, if he can't get a bunch more out of that quarterback, that the job is going to be a lot harder. All head coaches find out that they're really good when they have a really good quarterback. And sometimes they're not as good when they don't have a really good quarterback. So I think, uh, I think the Raiders went into that, made that higher thinking, we are going to extend Derek Carr. We're going to try to make him happy and we're going to try to make this work. That's what I think. And I think it really takes one excellent quarterback out of the mix. And I, I actually think if I, and I've said this on this podcast, I've kind of written it. I've texted to our subtexters. That's the, that's the player that I would have targeted for the Cleveland Browns. If I were the Cleveland Browns, I would have gone after Derek Carr. I would have tried to find a way to make that happen. And now I don't know if that's going to be an option. So then you do have to try to think about, okay, you know, what about Kirk Cousins? We know he's got the history with Kevin Stefanski. Uh, he, he's got a $45 million cap hit for next season, but the Vikings are on the hook for 10 million of that prorated signing bonus. So that leaves you down to 35. Would they be interested in a swap involving Baker Mayfield, which takes another 19 million off of that so that you're only inheriting, right? The rest of that contract. Um, you know, these are things they have to look at Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy didn't necessarily, um, you know, help his case yesterday per se, but I mean, the Browns might have to look at that and ask themselves, is it still an upgrade or is it not? Is it an upgrade? Um, you know, does he have enough weapons here where he could be something better than he was? Would he be better if he had two or three more excellent pieces. I just think the, the Derek Carr situation isn't going to help the Browns cause very much. So Jimmy was the other one I was going to ask you about, because obviously now he becomes kind of front and center with that loss yesterday. Now the 49ers have to decide, do they run it back with him? Do they hand things over to Trey Lance? Do they go a different direction? I don't know what that would be. Would, if the Browns made a move for Jimmy Garoppolo, how much of an upgrade do you see that as? You know, it, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, that is, um, that's one where they'd really have to try to evaluate, uh, you know, the situation, the money, uh, you know, what's around him. I think just because you end on, you know, you end on a bad play because Derek Carr's season ended on a bad play too. Um, just because you end on a really bad play and that's the last thought that everyone has in their mind, it doesn't necessarily mean that that defines you as a quarterback. So you have to look at the whole body of work and the Browns would have to look at him in this scheme and they have a pretty good apples to apples comparison of him in this scheme. 
So they know what he's going to be able to do here because they run the same scheme. Uh, so in terms of how much of an upgrade it is, that, that's hard to say. I don't know that it is a, a great upgrade, but, um, but sometimes also a change of scenery is good for everybody too. You know, maybe Baker needs a change of scenery. Maybe in some ways he's worn out his welcome here a little bit with some people, perhaps. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but I hear little rumblings about things. Um, and then, you know, maybe Jimmy could use a change of scenery and, a, and have new life breathed into him. So again, I don't necessarily think it's an enormous talent upgrade, but maybe it's enough of one to get you where you need to go this season while you figure out the bigger picture. I do feel like, and then this is obviously just from, you know, thousands of miles away. I, I do feel like Jimmy's teammates like him. Mm -hmm. I, it, yeah. seem, it just seems like they like, based on what, you know, Debo goes to bat for him on Twitter yeah. this past week. And, you know, we see him running off with Robbie Gould uh, after he hits that game winning kick yelling F the Packers. Like, it just seems like he gets along with his teammates. Like for whatever reason, he just connects really well with, with all those guys. Yes, I think so too. And the other thing that I think is important is I think his coaches feel that way about him too. He was in a, he was put in a very difficult situation this year where they went out and traded up to draft his replacement and he did not pout. He did not whine. He did not go public with his dissatisfaction or his displeasure about that. He put his head down and he went to work. And I think there is a lot to be said for that type of character and leadership. I think his teammates saw that and appreciated it. And certainly Kyle Shanahan appreciated that. And he vocalized that as they headed into the NFC championship game, how much that meant to him and how they probably wouldn't have gotten there without what Jimmy was able to do. So leadership, leadership and positive leadership at the quarterback position is absolutely vital. And if the Browns are running it back with Baker Mayfield, he has got to get better in that regard. There can't be any stalking off the field after a game and not, uh, not living up to your post-game interview responsibility. There can't be, you know, talking about, how you thought the, co you know, the, the coaching staff didn't do this or didn't do that after games. That's not okay. That sends the wrong message to the rest of the offense. Um, and there are other things along those lines. So if he's going to come back here and be the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, he needs to be a better leader. He needs to be a more positive leader. And I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would have to think that the Browns, on some level feel that way too. Yeah. And I, I had to Google this before I wanted to make sure I had it right, but you know, the reports are Jimmy was one of the first people to text Trey Lance too, after he got drafted. So, yeah. you know, stuff, I mean, we've seen quarterbacks who have not taken it well when they're backup or their, their heir apparent has been drafted, including the guy that Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted behind. Uh, didn't exactly love that idea. And, you know, I think Ben's had some issues here and there sometimes when the Steelers have, have looked at other quarterbacks. So, um, yeah. it's, it's not always like that. So it, it seems like he's a guy um, that, that his teammates really like. All right, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, of course, we're going to talk a little Odell Beckham Jr. All right, I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Before we get to Odell, we're going to talk about one other quarterback, Mary Kay, and that is Kirk Cousins. Uh, of course, we know the 
Uh, Browns, the Vikings' new GM, knows the Browns' GM pretty well. Quasi Adolfo Mensa, and it worked under Andrew Barry before he got that job. You mentioned the money with Kirk, so the Browns would be on the hook for about $35 million. Believe me, Browns fans, $35 million is worth it if it wins you a few playoff games and gives you a chance to go to a Super Bowl. I don't know if Kirk does that or not, but that's what the Browns have to figure out. So I guess I'll, I guess I'll ask you the same question as I did with Derek Carr. How realistic would Kirk Cousins in Cleveland be at this point? Well, you know, I think some of it is going to depend on who they hire as their head coach. You know, we are waiting for all these sort of dominoes to fall. And we know that there seems to be a natural connection between Aaron Rodgers possibly going to the Broncos because his offensive coordinator got hired there. Uh, So that almost seems like something to watch. Uh, When it comes to Kirk Cousins, not exactly sure how that's going to go yet and how they want to dole out the money and what their mode is going to be in terms of sort of rebuilding, retooling, trying to win now or what they want to do. But in the event that they think they can get maybe some draft picks, some high draft picks for Kirk Cousins and uh, unload some of that salary, you know, maybe they would be up for doing that. And who knows, maybe Quazy thinks very highly of Baker Mayfield and believes that he also believes that he's going to come back better in 2022 and the price would be better because he would only be costing them 18.6 or 18.9 million dollars next year on his fifth year option and then if that works out you can either franchise him or you can see about extending him so uh you know so he's got the inside intel on baker mayfield and we know that if quasi and andrew barry decided they wanted to kick around this notion of some kind of a swap They've got the great working relationship to do it. Andrew Barry has been Quasi's mentor for the past two years. They're very close uh, and they, they would be able to work something out if they so choose. As far as whether or not Kirk Cousins is an upgrade, well, we know he's got a great relationship with Kevin Stefanski. And I think that the play caller and the quarterback have to be in lockstep. They have absolutely got to be on the same page and willing to work really, really well together. We know they can do that. One of Kirk Cousins' best seasons in 2019 came with Kevin Stefanski as the offensive coordinator and the play caller of the Minnesota Vikings. So we know they have a natural connection. Um, Whether or not you consider it to be an upgrade. I mean, he, the last three years, he has finished fourth, eighth, and second in terms of passer rating. He's always sky high in terms of touchdown passes usually in the thirties and he's quite often in single digits in interceptions. So when you've got somebody that's not throwing the ball to the other team and he's throwing a lot of touchdown passes, I would consider that to be a possible upgrade, right? I mean, that's what you want to happen. And, you know, with a defense like this, an offensive line like this, a running game like this and an upgrade at your, pass catcher positions, there might be something to be said for, for throwing your hat in that ring. Yeah. I, I mean, look, Kirk Cousins is incredibly frustrating week to week, but you just look at what he, what he's done. The, the guy puts up numbers. You want a playoff game with Kevin Stefanski, right? I mean, that was, they, they beat New Orleans in New Orleans uh, in overtime. So, you know, again, I think sometimes we, sometimes we elevate Baker a little bit, and we kind of just because we've watched him so much, it's easy to kind of, well, this is the type of quarterback Baker can be because we've seen him at his best. But the reality is 
You look at Kirk Cousins' seasons in Minnesota, Baker's never had a season like any of those years. No, he, he hasn't. And, uh, and we know that, uh, you know, we know what Kirk can do when, uh, when the going is good around him too. I mean, I think he's somebody that, you know, he needs to have a good scheme that suits him. And, uh, and this one certainly would, I mean, this is plug and play for him here. Right. I mean, it, just like Jimmy, you would know exactly what you're getting. You're not trying to plug in uh, somebody that might not be a scheme fit, total 100% scheme fit. Uh, so I, I do think, and then I think as we've talked about leadership qualities, ability to get along with your play caller and be on the same page with him. I think those are all things that you have to think about uh, when you are making this decision. So, um, I mean, again, I don't know how the Browns are going to, how this is going to shake out in the final analysis, but I think that Kirk is somebody that you would have to at least think about. Yeah. Well, and, and for Minnesota too, it would be, all right, let's save a little money. Let's take a shot on Baker. We're, we're not tied to him beyond this year. You know, if, like you said, if they want to after this year, they can franchise him. It, it's not quite the Sam Darnold move for the Panthers, but it's kind of similar in that you'd be taking a chance on a guy and seeing what he can do. And you aren't really tied to him beyond this year. Absolutely. Now, the, the drawback here in all of these guys that we're talking about is now there seems to be there's going to be probably even more competition in a year when this is supposedly not a good quarterback year. Uh, in in the draft I mean I'm very anxious to go and see firsthand because most of the best quarterbacks in this draft are going to be in Mobile and so it's going to be cool to actually take a firsthand look at Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis and Carson Strong and see what these guys look like up close and personal and sometimes you walk away from a senior bowl and all of a sudden a guy like uh, a Josh Allen that teams were maybe not sure about uh, their stock rises after the senior bowl. So I think uh, at this time next week, we're going to have a better idea of how NFL teams are weighing in on these quarterbacks, because the truth of the matter is you don't know until now, because the draft does actually start in mobile. Basically you really don't know what the coaches and the NFL personnel people are thinking about these guys almost until after the senior bowl. So looking forward to that, but you're talking about Pittsburgh. You're talking about potentially New Orleans. You're talking about um, there's some yeah, there's, maybe Tampa. <laughs> Tampa. I mean, you're talking about a lot of football teams now uh, that potentially could be looking uh, for these quarterbacks and and fighting over them to a certain degree. So uh, yeah, the next one month is going to be very interesting. Yeah, the the thing you mentioned about the coaches too is like it's. A, it's important to remember these coaches probably don't know a thing about these prospects right now. Right. Like they, they haven't been sitting there watching. That's why a lot of these teams try and keep coaches out of the, uh, the draft process in some mm -hmm. cases, but yep. uh, you know, they're, they're kind of where a lot of people are. They're kind of learning about these guys now starting kind of at this point and moving forward. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I've talked to coaches at these, you know, all-star games and, and they will tell you point blank. I haven't had any time to, to study a Malik Willis jet. I've been trying to get us through our season, <laughs> right? And in some cases, getting us through the playoffs. And so at this point, the coaches have not uh, dug into the tape yet for the most part. This is where they get their eyes on the players and they start to see traits and things that they like. And I actually think that uh, Malik Willis is, is someone who's 
stock could climb considerably during the senior bowl because that's what everybody's looking for right now. People are looking for that dual threat, big armed quarterback, and he's got that. And if you, uh, you know, if you can just separate that from maybe the competition that they played against, I mean, I'm going to be trying to write about, um, you know, Josh Allen versus Baker Mayfield and why they went with Josh Allen over Baker Mayfield. Uh, And, you know, when you talked to coaches at the senior bowl in 2018, they were very concerned about his accuracy. Well, they didn't know much about it uh, because they were just starting to take a look at it. And that's the way it is right now. I mean, Malik Willis, I mean, he could end up becoming a top five pick by the time the draft rolls around. I mean, you know, you don't know. Or maybe he could slide back to number number 13. And the Browns say, hey, you know, we've got to start planning for our future. He's raw, not ready to start yet, but why not take a shot? Yeah, and uh... You know, we've talked about this a little bit going back to the Mayfield Matrix series and all that. Like, there might be a scenario where Kevin Stefanski sees a guy and he goes to Andrew Barry's office and he says, hey, I re- that guy right there can run my offense. We can plug that guy in and he can run my offense. And he's not going to go in the top five or what. Like, we can get him at 13 or we can get him in the set, whatever it is. That, that's, I, I still think that's in play. I do too. I definitely think that's in play. And it kind of has to be in play right now because you have your quarterback heading into the final year of his contract. And the truth of the matter is nobody knows how that's going to work out. Nobody knows how Baker Mayfield's going to play in 2022. If he's the Browns starter, we heard Andrew Barry say that he fully expected Baker Mayfield to play his best ball of the season down the stretch uh, after they got back from their bye, And that didn't happen at all. Now, maybe that's all still tied into the injury And he will become a much better quarterback in 2022 when he's healthy and he has some good receivers around him. And that's what everybody's hoping, but they have to plan for the inevitability that, you know, maybe that doesn't happen. And uh, so, yeah, they've got to look at these guys with a very keen eye and sure. I mean, Kevin Stefanski might see somebody that catches his eye. Okay, let's get to Odell Beckham, who was going to the Super Bowl, of course, with the Rams. They beat the 49ers on Sunday night. So I guess, you know, I hate to tell people how to feel, but Mary Kay, how should Browns fans be processing this? That Odell Beckham forced his way out of Cleveland, and now he's going to the Super Bowl. You know, I have a hard time believing that Odell would intentionally try to sabotage his own career here. I really don't believe that he didn't try to be good on every single play when he was here, even though it almost looked like that. I think more so it was just a function of he just never connected with Baker Mayfield. They never played well together. Uh, Odell never felt, uh, you know, like he was in the flow of a game. So by the time he did get that pass, uh, a fourth down pass in the red zone, he was dropping it. You know, I mean, he like when you get two targets or three targets for 20 yards, you lose a guy like that. Um, and I, and I think even in Odell's post-game quotes, he, he stated that, uh, they made him feel valued. They made him feel wanted. They made him, they, they restored his confidence. Confidence is such a big, huge part of this football game. And, and he got his confidence back and you saw him making the kind of plays that we all knew he was capable of. We watched him make those kind of plays in practice all these years. And we saw him make some kind of those catches, some of those catches over the last three years, there were flashes of brilliance, uh, but it was just wasn't consistent because he and Baker Mayfield 
they never, they really never connected. They never connected. And it blows the theory out of the water that you need all that time on task because he hasn't had that with Matt Stafford. He's had no time on task with Matt Stafford. It was like, go out and play. But, you know, they, they had a package of plays in for him. They got him involved right away. They did things that made him feel good about himself. And they kept him so involved in the game that by the time you got uh, to the chips being down, he was able to perform, perform at his Pro Bowl level for them. That never happened. It was going in the wrong direction here. Like it was getting worse and worse each week to the point where Baker really wasn't looking for him anymore. I think Baker lost faith in him. I do. I think Baker didn't have confidence in, confidence in him that he was going to catch the ball when he threw it to him or that he was going to get picked off if he tried to throw it to Odell or that he wasn't going to be where he was supposed to be. Well, he looks pretty darn where he's supposed to be now, right? I mean, and it's yeah. not it, it doesn't always have to be perfect, but he makes the play. Well, I, I think to your point too, sometimes it's really easy to get caught up in like, well, these guys haven't played together and they don't know how this guy likes to run routes. And, and, and that's true to an extent, but at the same time, football is kind of football. Mm-hmm. Like everybody kind of just runs the same routes and, and there's little intricacies here. And, you know, in, in the end of the day, football is football. These guys have been playing it forever. What did you think of the um, Vaughn Miller interview? where he told, where he said that Odell told him not to come to Cleveland? Well, you know, Von Miller doesn't strike me as somebody that would say that if it didn't really happen. Now, nobody has asked Odell about that yet, to my knowledge. I haven't seen anybody say, hey, did you really say that? Um, I would like somebody to ask him that uh, because I do want to hear his answer. Um, And sometimes there's an interpretation of how, how some type of a conversation like that goes down. So maybe it wasn't quite exactly like that, or maybe it was, maybe it was. I was told, and I have written, that Odell Beckham Jr. asked to be traded last off season before, while he was rehabbing that ACL, that he asked to be traded. Now, and, and, I, and I wrote that. Uh, I also had somebody, you know, that said to me, oh, you know, that wasn't true. Well, you know, I, I wrote it because I had a good source that told me that. So, you know, I, I definitely still, I stand by that. So that lines up for me with what Von Miller said, that Odell felt there was like something wrong, uh, at least with what was going on with him here. So it wouldn't shock me if he said that based on what I know about how he felt about coming back here last off season. And I, I do want to say this, like, even if Odell wanted out, and, and this was sort of to the point you made earlier too, I think he did still go to Austin mm-hmm. with Baker and the, like, he did still do that. We watched them run routes constantly during training camp. Mm-hmm. He went to Montana. Was it Montana where they went? I think it was. Yep. He went to Montana Labor Day weekend. Yeah. You know, there, he did at least show up to that stuff. So, I mean, I think that has to be part of the discussion too. So he might've won it out, but it did seem like at least to some extent, he was trying to make an effort and I, and, and Baker was trying to make an effort too. They were both trying to make it work. I think so. I think it was genuine. I think they both really knew uh, that in order for the Browns to be really successful this season, that they had to make some pretty good magic together. Like we've seen, quarterbacks and other receivers do on other teams this postseason I think they both knew it and as they went about it 
it just once again didn't happen. And there were a couple times where Baker went to him and threw him the ball and he, he dropped what seemed like an easy pass. But I think part of that was because they just weren't getting it rolling, uh, you know, early enough or, or the two of them. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's so hard to explain. Uh, you know, sometimes two people, a quarterback and a receiver just don't have it. I, I was always trying to split the difference and saying, oh, you know, Odell's freelancing a little bit and not always where he's supposed to be, trying to give Baker the benefit of the doubt that this isn't Baker's fault. This is 50-50. Well, it doesn't look so 50-50 right now, does it? I mean, it just doesn't. It doesn't look 50-50. But I think I tried to do that, and I think a lot of other people here in this market, you know, we tried to give Baker the benefit of the doubt that the disconnect between him and Odell was just split right down the middle. Now it looks like, and maybe once again, it's just the chemistry between two players. Maybe you could give Baker Mayfield another really good X receiver and he'll do a lot better with him. Cause he always did fine with Jarvis Landry. Like yeah. he's okay with Jarvis. It's not like he can't connect with anybody. Although last year he struggled to connect with a lot of people. Um, but you know, maybe if you get him with somebody else, that's sort of more like, you know, his style or whatever, maybe he will shine with that person and they will connect for 13 touchdown passes. That's what they're going to need. So they better hope that they can find that because that is what it's going to take. Yeah. So it's Odell Beckham. It's the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl, just like we all thought, right? You know, I'll, I'm going to take my victory lap here because I obviously picked the Browns to go to the Super Bowl, but Odell Beckham's in the Super Bowl <laughs> and the Rams. I picked them to lose to the Rams. So can I get like 60% right? Honorable I at least give myself that. Um, I don't think I can give that to you, Dan, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you really need it, I, I'll, I'll, I'll seriously think about it, but no, it is, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm still marveling at the fact that, um, that Joe Burrow made it to the Super Bowl in only his second NFL season coming off of a torn ACL. And I think so much of it is his leadership, his positive leadership. He exhibited, uh, that unbelievable leadership that the Browns are going to need to get from Baker Mayfield last year. And he has had, had some good leadership. I mean, players have had, have followed him and whatnot. Uh, but this year was a weird year to the point where um, I think he, he also needs to repair some of that aspect of his game. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's strange how things change. I think this time a year ago, we were all feeling really like, okay, the Browns are re- they're set. They're ready to go. I mean, like I said, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I think we all thought they were going to win the AFC North. Yeah. And now here we are a year later and it's like, Whoa, Cincinnati's maybe the best team in the division for a long time now, and the Browns might need a new quarterback. This this is a really hard league to figure out, and it's why it's why these GMs and coaches get paid all this money. It is a really hard league, league to figure out, and the uh, you know the differences are are razor thin sometimes. Be, just because of the way things happened this year in the AFC North doesn't mean that we can completely accurately predict what's going to happen next year. We don't know that. I mean, teams might dig into the Bengals film and find something there that they can try to exploit. Lamar Jackson could come back and, you know, and, and take over the AFC North again. Baker could come back and be excellent and make, and he can have, you know, an amazing receiver. 
the Pittsburgh Steelers could have, who knows, Deshaun Watson or somebody that could just change the whole landscape in the AFC North. So just because things happened a certain way this year does not mean that we have any idea what is going to happen in the AFC North or the AFC next year. Well, I mean, and just like a Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wins that Super Bowl a couple of years ago and it's like, this guy's going to be the greatest of all time. And now they, yeah. you know, they lose last year or they didn't get there this year. You know, I wrote in our newsletter to our insiders that he was two wins away from putting himself back in that discussion someday down the road. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, well, they, he, they blew a 21 to three lead and he looked really bad in the second half of that game. It, this yeah. is Tom Brady, I think, made us all forget how hard this really is. Oh, God. I know it's incredible. And speaking of Tom Brady, I mean, I hope he does not retire. I hope he doesn't retire. I, I would like to see him come back. I still think he has enough left in him that I'd like to see him come back for another season. I think you should go out when you're like really ready and sure that it's time to go out. We thought maybe Ben Roethlisberger was going to be done last year when we saw him sitting on that bench there with Marquise Pouncey. And he thought maybe he had one year left in him. And that's sort of where I feel that Tom Brady is. If he does hang it up, it does seem like it would be more of a family decision. Like he's doing it for his wife and his kids. I feel like somewhere deep inside of him, he feels like he's got another season left in him. And I'd like to see him come back one more time and, and sort of do the, you know, the, the farewell tour. So I think that'd be cool. Bill Simmons threw this out on his podcast. What if, it, what if he came back and played for San Francisco? Mm. <laughs> I stole I stole that stole that thought but I thought it was an interesting one that would be interesting that would be all right interesting. <laughs> there we go our uh hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast Mary Kay is off to the senior bowl we're recording this on Monday so she's leaving here a little bit later today and she's going to be checking in we're going to be doing uh some more position reviews on the pod and then Mary Kay is going to check in from the senior bowl every day that she is down there so uh, make sure you're subscribed to get our senior bowl reports uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You'll find us. Make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber because I'm sure Mary Kay, you'll be texting and uh, you know some of your stories from the Senior Bowl. You're going to have to be a Football Insider to read. So make sure you go to cleveland.com/browns and click that blue banner at the top of the page to get signed up for that. Mary Kay, have a great trip. Thanks. Sounds good. <laughs>